0: Before we begin, recently I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down, and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction for me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at TheExpertProcess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, This webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small, so sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to TheExpertProcess.com and register today. Now, on to the show.
1: Do you know 6 in 10 businesses will fail within the first 5 years? First 5 years? Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet? Or... That it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject. Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide. Worldwide. Here's your resident expert, Durante Smith.
0: Hello, EIT Nation, or all of you experts in training. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast. I'm your host, Durante Smith, and it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. The show follows a 12-week online masterclass at theexpertprocess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry. The program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even high-level contacts to help you get to the next level in half the time. The podcast is your introduction The masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride.
1: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is until I discovered Airbnb, my friend. My very first day was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California. Ironically, during the American film market, I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top notch. They made breakfast for us. They made um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on. So there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints. And it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And uh, Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just Beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing, locally here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the, the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love Love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. So I'm calling this episode A Tale of Two AFMs simply because the experiences, when you juxtapose them against each other, they are dramatically different. My first year out there, so that was 2013, we were working on Prosper. Prosper is my feature film that I did collectively with a fine and tremendous group of people that were involved in this overall production. It was what I call a labor of love because most of them didn't get paid. There were several that did, but even then they didn't get paid their day rates. So unfortunately, a lot of times in the indie film world, a lot of what is done, especially in careers getting started, is done from the standpoint of freelancing. But a lot of times those freelancing opportunities don't pay well, or sometimes they don't pay at all. They're paid th- through deferment, and sometimes they're paid through credits and things like that. So it really just kind of depends on where, I guess, a person is with regard to their experience and just where they are in their journey um, with their career. So I had a lot of true professionals working on the project, but then I also had a lot of newbies and a lot of beginners whom were looking to get their start. So what I tend to do was to pair the newbies up with folks that were seasoned veterans and the folks that maybe, I guess you could say mid-level, those folks They were given maybe responsibilities that that were within their wheelhouse. That's probably a good way of saying that. So we had a film that was near completion, but it wasn't done. Okay, and what that means is there are obviously different stages of film and video production. Right. So we had the film shot, which means that what we call in the can just means that it's done as far as production. Then there's post-production and there are different stages of post-production. Well, part of this film, well, what it required was what you call visual effects, right? Visual effects a lot of times are what you see with green screen and what they call rotoscoping, which basically is you're cropping out certain images or you're putting in images and things like that. We had a fair amount of that, especially for a small budget film, and I had hired a visual effects studio in Los Angeles. Now, the irony is, is that the owner of the facility, they also did mixing and mastering of sound. So they not only did the visual effects, or I should say the majority of the visual effects, because there were others that contributed also, but they also did the mixing of the sound, the sound Foley, which is you hear the sound effects, right? There's the visual effects and then there are sound effects. So part of sound effects are sound Foley. So that might be where you're, you're seeing someone walking and you hear the leaves crunching under their feet or they eat a candy bar and you hear the wrapper or something like that from the candy bar. It's those kinds of things. Right. And so this studio, they had the responsibility of doing all that to even include the master on the film which is a big deal. We didn't have a lot of money. We had shot the movie for less than $6,000, went back and raised another roughly $15,000. And so we were all in right at about twenty, twenty-one thousand dollars 21000 somewhere in there, right? And as you, as you can imagine, that's not a lot of money for a feature film, especially not a full-length feature film, which is, well, um, it was a full two hours with the rough cut and we cut it down to 94 minutes or 93 minutes. So it's a full length movie. We took a lot of pains to make it a really, really solid film. And if I had more money, certainly we could have done more things and even had a better film. Sure. But I think for what we had to work with, my team did a phenomenal job and I give them credit to this day for that. So that said, I went to the American film market and I had the luxury of having a financier or I should say an investor that had a producer from another film that they had invested in lived in San Francisco. They had him come down from San Francisco to LAX to pick me up. And he chauffeured me around for the week and some change that I was there for the AFM. So I arrive at LAX, I think it was on a Wednesday. And while I'm there and I'm waiting for this gentleman, I meet an older fella while I'm, I guess you could say at there at the, wherever the, um, the shows pick you up. So he and I strike up a conversation, really nice guy. We strike up a conversation. It wasn't long, maybe about 10 minutes or so. And then I see um, my ride pick me up. So I waved the guy and went on about my business. We went down the 405 and got to the the Lowe's Hotel, which is where they hold the majority of the AFM. So how the whole thing is set up, the Lowe's is where all of the offices are. Now, I would assume by this point, you probably heard all of the information about the American film market and how it's structured and things like that. And if you haven't, I would recommend that you go back and listen to episodes one through three because they focus on the American film market. So I won't go into a great amount of detail in covering what they've already said, but I will say that the Lowe's hotel is where all of the offices are. It's where they're housed, if you will. And it's also where they have the orientation. Uh, You have the opening orientation, getting you, I guess, knowledgeable or in the know about what the AFM is, how to go about networking, and you know, basically the rules and culture and etiquette and things like that. That first day is really, uh, if you're new to it, it's really overwhelming. It's a lot of people. I mean, probably easily 5,000 people crowded into this hotel first floor, I guess you could say. The Lowe's is a really high-end hotel, if you will. The other thing to know is that... I had an injury at the time. It was um, a knee injury and I had torn both of my meniscus and my ligaments in my left knee. So I was actually on crutches because I was having knee surgery the following day upon returning back from the AFM. So I had a busted knee and I I had a lot of difficulty trying to get around. So I was on crutches Well, I had one crutch. And this gentleman, I don't want to use people's names because, you know, a lot of people are kind of skittish or apprehensive about using their name uh, in big formats like this. So I'll leave that. But the fella that was showing me around, we were there at the Lowe's in the lobby. I think I went to get some coffee or something like that. And he went about his way and we kind of split up for a moment. I look across the way and I see the same gentleman from the airport. He was sitting down at a high top table and he uh, motioned for me to come over. Now, he had an open seat and probably the only open seat in the entire place. And the lobby is huge. Needless to say, I welcomed a seat. So I managed to make my way over there and he invited me to sit down and I was like, sure. I mean, hey, I appreciate it. We get to talking and the conversation became this three or four hour long conversation that was just truly enlightening. This guy was a seasoned veteran of the industry. He was a producer and he shared so much information with me about how to go about networking with the AFM, who the players are, how to work with these guys and, you know, things like that. Right. But he also felt me out and he, he was very um, strategic and gathering information from me to sort of assess who I was, how legitimate I was, what I was doing, you know, and that kind of thing. And it was um, astute enough to understand what he was doing. But in the same turn, it wasn't off-putting. He was, you know, very, um, probably the best word to use is polite about it, right? It wasn't like direct or offensive. And we had a great conversation. By the end of the night, now it's like four hours later, I didn't move. And I really didn't have a need to move because... Frankly, like I said, my knee was busted and I really didn't want to hop around and make it any worse. I guess maybe about eight o'clock, nine o'clock, something like that. This uh, fella comes over. I'm going to call him Jay. So that way you guys know I'm talking about the producer, Jay. Jay comes over and asks me if I'm ready to go because we have a big day tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. So the gentleman at the table is like, what are your plans for tomorrow? I said, well, what we'll do is we plan to come back over for the first session in the morning, which starts at nine o'clock. Now the market has not only the offices where they buy and sell films and, you know, all the deals go down, but they also have workshops. They have uh, screenings. They have, you know, just basically any number of things, but there are a lot of different workshops that are to help uh, film producers grow, filmmakers grow. Also it's where, a lot of the big film producers go to get market information and stuff like that when it comes to overseas markets like China and Japan and Asia, things like that. So it's a really big deal. I had signed up for, I can't remember what the class was, but i signed up for one of the workshops there. Yeah, they're pricey. I mean, you know, they're a few hundred dollars. So I told him, I said, yeah, we'll, we plan to be here at 9 a.m. So he says, well, he said, I'll tell you what, before you head in there, he's like, yeah, I can uh, introduce you to some of the guys. I said, huh? Okay, well, yeah, he's like, well, you know, the thing about out here is, it's not what you know, as much as it is who you know. So, you know, if you want to meet up with me in the morning, maybe around eight o'clock, we'll be here bright and early. That'll give you an opportunity to meet some of these guys that eh, it would just be good to know.
1: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
0: A quick reminder if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. Well, I'm not going to pass on that opportunity. So I said, like, yeah, definitely. So the next um, morning, I get there bright and early, I guess about eight o'clock. And sure enough, there's this guy. Stand there, basically waiting on me by the door, by the same, you know, same door. So again, to help you understand the setup, they take all the bars. Well, most of them, I don't think it's all, but they take most of the bars that are inside of the lobby area and they convert those into makeshift Starbucks stations, right? Which is the funniest thing ever. And they make these one size Starbucks drinks, or I should say cups Uh, the one size is like nine bucks for a cup, right? (laughs) So needless to say, I mean, it would probably behoove you to get your coffee before you get there, but I didn't know any better. I was new and I was excited. So it kind of really didn't matter, but I got my coffee and went to meet up with this gentleman and Jay, he went on about his business. I went to go meet up with the guy and it was truly a very interesting (laughs) scenario he greets me. So the setup is you got the lobby area. So then you walk out these glass doors and there's this gorgeous pool. And then there are these tiers that on this deck, this outside deck, there are these uh, maybe four or five tiers that go down and they're limited. There's not a lot of seating out there. Maybe mm, if I'm guessing maybe 50 seats, maybe more, maybe 70 seats or something like that, but not a lot. And they're restricted to the folks that are spending and spending, I should say a considerable amount of money. Right. And my guess is that those same people are the same ones that come back, you know, year in year out and they meet up for whatever the occasion, right. To obviously to do business because that is the point is to do business before we walk down the stairs Uh, where the tables are. The gentleman, you know, he stops me and asks me, he's like, well, last night when we were talking, you never asked me who I am or what I do. He's like, I just found that to be kind of curious. Why is that? And it took me aback for a second. And I said, well, honestly, I thought you shared some really great information with me. I appreciated everything that you had to say. And so I really didn't think that it was my place to ask you that. In fact, I figured if you wanted me to know, you would tell me. So I just didn't think that was a polite thing to do. And I just didn't really feel it was necessary given just the sheer amount of information and wisdom and knowledge that you shared with me. And he laughed and he's like, you know, good answer. Good answer. He's like, I like that. He says, well, um, I should probably let you know who I am, what I do so that you'll understand who these gentlemen are that you're about to meet. So he says, do you know who uh, Jerry Brockheimer is? I laughed. I was like, "Yeah, I know. I know who Jerry Brockheimer is. And I'm thinking to myself, I know that's not him. He's like, I'm not Jerry Brockheimer. We had a little chuckle about it. I said, yes, I know that. And he says, but he's a very dear friend of mine and he's a longtime producing partner. In fact, we've made several projects together over the years. So I, I'm a producer, and I'm a very well-established producer, and the gentlemen that you're about to meet are friends of mine in the industry who have different skill sets. They have different things that they do, and pretty much they're all legends in their own right. So I just wanted you to know a little about me and who I am so that it will give you a little better understanding of who you're going to be sitting at the table with and who you're going to be intermingling with. I said, well, I have to ask you a question now. Why me? Why would you extend that courtesy to me? And he says, well, you know what? I listened to everything that you had to say, man, you're the real deal. And you have a pure heart. That's kind of a rare thing out here. As I see it, somebody had to give me a start. And if I can't be that person, maybe I can help facilitate the start of your career for you. And honestly, I got a bit teary eyed and I was like, wow, thank you. Like, thank you so much. He's like, let me warn you. When you sat down at that table, your experience with the AFM will be like no one else's. That table can and possibly will change your life. You're going to have a lot of really weird and bizarre things happen. People are going to be coming to you. Just embrace it. Take it with a smile and just roll with it. I was like, okay. So we go down to the table. He introduces me to probably, mm, I'm going to say maybe five or six guys. These are older, white haired gentlemen. I'm the only minority at the table. I'm the only young guy at the table at that. I'm actually in my... uh I'm in my 40s. I think at the time I was, I think I was maybe 39 or 40. Maybe I think I was 39 actually. And the, the other thing is, you guys don't know this about me, but I have long hair. I, I have what they call dreadlocks. So to see a young black guy sitting at this table with all these older white gentlemen in and of itself is probably a uh, an anomaly to say the least. But then you have the fact that I'm on <laughs> I'm on crutches and so I can't maneuver very well. Right. So I get out there, you know, I shake these guys' hands. I meet these guys and I sit down. Now here's the kicker. So as you can imagine, these are all seasoned veterans, right? So one guy is, I think like out of the five or six, out of the six guys, let's say six, like three of them are producers, like big producers, right? One is maybe a financier or something like that. Another is like some big renowned film composer, Another is like, I want to say he's like some kind of like really high end or costume designer. Right. And so these guys were heavyweights for them. It was intriguing to have someone like me to come in and sit down with them and probably breathe a bit of fresh air into the mix. Right now, again, I mentioned that I was on crutches, so I had the crutch. I set it down beside my table. Right. And we begin these conversations. And the guy's introducing me and he's explaining to them, you know, this dialogue and conversation that we had had the night before and how impressed he was with me and all this other stuff. And so they were like, "Okay, so let us see what you got, man. You know, so I was smart enough to have a trailer of my movie on my phone. Actually, I had it on my iPad. And so I'm showing the trailer and they were just blown away. They were like, wow, you know, and this, that, and the other, and you know, it's it was, it was just all this excitement, right? Now, I told you that the workshop started at nine o'clock. Well, guess what? That eight o'clock meeting with these gentlemen turned into hours. I sat at that table from eight o'clock to probably, I want to say like four o'clock, 4.30, something like that, that afternoon. They bought breakfast, they bought lunch, they bought All this stuff, they bought liquor, they bought wine. I mean, you name it. They had cigars, we're smoking cigars. And the funniest thing, after about nine o'clock, people started rolling in, right? And they would see friends from afar. So there's the pool. It's like maybe two or three layers up from us, right? And they, you know, shouted, hey, such and such. So then and the area where we were is roped off. So you can't just come in. So you have to be escorted in, right? It's a VIP area. And so they would see a friend and the guy would come up and then they would shake hands and all this other stuff. Now, the guy that brought me in, he forced me down. He would stand up and put his hand on my shoulder and force me down to keep me from getting up, to keep from injuring my knee, right? Because he knew I was having surgery. And so all of these guys would stand up and you have these new guys coming in. So half the time they would just grab a seat and they extended the table. And the next thing, you know, we have like, probably 12 people at this table and they would introduce me and this is what they said. He's that guy. Every time they introduced me, I became that guy. Right now. I didn't realize what that meant until a little bit later, but that guy means that they're designating you as that person. Who's like the next up and comer, right? It's basically like their seal of approval. And so all of a sudden, over the course of six, seven, eight hours or something like that, I became that guy. I'm serious. It was like a Godfather movie or something like that. It was bizarre because these guys would come up and they're smoking cigars. and They've got the jury on and uh, all this other stuff. Right. And they would talk with each other. And when they went to introduce them to me, I'm seated. Right. I'm 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 dead serious. I'm seated. I'm the only one seated. Right. I'm the only minority in this entire mix. And I'm the youngest. It was absolutely crazy. So. So anyway, I'd say about maybe one or two o'clock or something like that. One of the guys sits down and he has a, a relationship with one of the banks. Now, let me put a thumbnail there. So this is about the time Atlanta was becoming hot with filmmaking. So in case you don't know, Atlanta is a major hub for filmmaking, Um, not just in the South. I mean, in the US, in fact, I think for about three or four years running, maybe longer than that, actually, we were um, the number one film and video producer in the country. I think now maybe we're number two. But the city still makes a lot of money from filmmaking, right? For example, you have. I think actually all of the Marvel films are shot here, or at least some portion of them. That contract is with Pinewood Studios. And I think that goes through 2021 or 2022, which is obviously a very, very big deal. Then you have Tyler Perry Studios, which was already big. I mean, his old studio was humongous. But the new one is actually the largest studio, which we're talking about square footage and stuff like that, in the U.S., Now, uh, if you ever get a chance to come to Atlanta, you can actually take a tour of all of these studios, but you can take a tour of Tyler Perry Studios, and I would really recommend it because it is awe-inspiring, to be honest with you, especially considering the fact that he was, like me, he was an outsider of Hollywood and an outsider of the studio system, and he was able to go and literally create his own studio, like mega studio, right? So that was about the time Atlanta was really getting on the map, Okay, there's all this buzz about making movies in Atlanta or in Georgia. All of these producers and directors and studio heads and actors, they all wanted a part of that Atlanta ecosystem. For me, just by way of default from being from Atlanta, having a movie that we shot in Atlanta that starred some of the. Walking Dead actors, or I should say feature some Walking Dead actors and things like that. You know, all that was obviously, it was strategic. These guys are great, and I really appreciated their dedication to the film. But it was strategic in that, knowing that we had the Walking Dead that was shot here in Atlanta, that could pull in some folks that had an association to that show, especially in that it is in the horror genre. And that was what I produced was a horror film, right? All of that sort of fostered the energy and the excitement around (laughs) around my film. Well, then they started asking me, What did I have next? And that's always going to be the case. They always want to know, What do you have next? Right. And so I told them about two other projects that we were in the process of working on. Well, then one guy asked me, What's my budget? Another asked me, What's my budget? And because I'm sitting at this table, and I've already been endorsed by one of their friends, and mind you, I'm pretty good at the uh, with the gift of gab and networking and just overall developing relationships with people. So I was a fresh new face at this table of seasoned veterans, but I quickly became a commodity simply because of mm, I would say the product. And the wherewithal of knowing how to pitch that and place that product in front of these gentlemen, one guy decides that he's going to call his banker and see if he can help me get the funding for my film. Well, he hands me the phone. He calls his banker, hands me the phone. Another guy decides that he's not going to be beaten to the punch. So he calls his banker or his investor and gets him on the phone and hands me the phone. Now I have two phones to my head. I have one in my left hand, one in my right hand, and they're both shoving them to my head. Right. And I'm like, hello, uh, 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 one side, hello, uh, 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 on the other side. And I'm literally stumped. I don't know what to say. I've never had this experience before. And it was like a kid in a candy store. It was just literally unbelievable. (laughs) Explain to the folks on the phone who I was and asked them, what did I need to do? And they gave me their information and told me how to follow up. And needless to say, you would think that would actually be the highlight of the day, but actually wasn't. That was the thing that really kind of put everything in motion, right? So from that point forward, what I understood was these gentlemen had the ability to essentially finance my dreams, right? As the day went on, they gave me their cards, all this other stuff. One guy was like, Hey man, um, so I've got a good friend of mine and I want her to be in your film. I've got a place in Savannah and we can shoot in Savannah. That's in Georgia. So we shoot in Savannah. I think it'd be great for your film, blah, blah. I said, the only thing is the film is actually set in the mountains, right? So <laughs> Savannah's not the mountain. And so I was like, you know, we could do possibly shoot some of it in Savannah, maybe the interior shots or something like that. But that region with the mountains is really important because it's almost like a character in the film. And he says, well, how much are you committed to that? I was like, well, um, hmm, what does that mean? If I'm funding the film, if I'm willing to put the money behind your film. Does that make a difference? I was like, oh, yeah, it, makes, it definitely makes a difference. He goes, well, let's do this. Why don't you talk to my friend and let's see if we can find a place for her in your film? And I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, but about that time, <laughs> I'd been holding going to the bathroom for probably two hours and I was about to pop. So I was like, OK, do me a favor. Put a thumbnail in that. Can we come back to that? Because I really, really, really need to go to the bathroom. And it's going to be a struggle to get there as it is on a crutch, you know, and walking upstairs and fighting through a massive amount of people. And the bathroom is like probably I don't know, man. It seemed like a half a mile away. It's probably realistically like 500 yards or something like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I make my way to the bathroom. Now this is where it gets interesting because I just want you guys to understand what I mean by when they say that guy, right? As I'm making my way through the crowd, the crowd parts like a sea. Why? Because I'm sitting at a table with these seasoned guys that apparently basically run half of Hollywood. Right. So I make my way to the bathroom. I go in. I'm trying to do my business. And this guy slips a script under the bathroom stall. I was like, what? And the guy's like, hey, man, I know you don't know me from Adam, but if you can find it within your heart or you find it within your time to check out my script, I really appreciate it. My information's on the front. You know, just get back to me. Let me know what you think. And I shoved the script back at him. I was like, dude, this <laughs> this is private time, man. That's rude. You know, no, no, he shoves it back under. No, 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 take the script, man. Please, please take the script. And then he runs off. I hear him run out the door. I go back to the table. I'm telling these guys what happened. I'll show them the script and they crack up laughing. They're like, oh man, get used to that, dude. That's just part of it. Welcome to Hollywood.
1: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
0: I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I set her down. And we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren, and we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku or really any other set top device now. Right. So in an effort to support my seven year old aspiring model. Aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef, and aspiring climate activist, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T H R I F T Y L I L D I V A dot me. So again, that's Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or Thrifty. Lil Diva, that's T H R I F T Y L I L D I V A dot me, thrifty little diva dot me. Okay, Madison, what's your motto? We love you just the way you are. Oh, <laughs> they grew up so fast. Oh, daddy. <laughs> now back to the show. That was the beginning of what became a very long, interesting week. So that was the first day. And by the second day, I had met so many people. So just by affiliations, probably the best way to say that, just by being affiliated with these gentlemen and people seeing me sitting with these folks, they thought I was a major player. And so people started coming up to me. So let's back up for a moment again. Once you go, what you learn is there are different badges, and these badges have different colors. The colors have different meanings, right? In other words, different levels. You might be, let's say, for example, you're a buyer, where your buyer's badge might be blue. If you're a seller, your seller's badge might be orange. If you're a distributor, your distributor's badge might be yellow. You know, stuff like that. So there's probably five or six different levels, and what you learn is that certain badges mean that they have a lot more clout and they have a lot more money lot more money to spend. And I'm there for the whole entire purpose of selling a film. Now the gentlemen I was sitting with at the table weren't buyers. They're mostly producers. But by way of the fact that I had a film that as they saw it was done, right? I'm a writer. So I have product or scripts that they can develop. That was their interest in me. It was the fact that as I said, I I represent Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. They saw that it gave them an opportunity to shoot and make a movie here, but they also had a direct tie-in to the market, right? The people that I began to meet outside of that group, they were folks that were really high level, like senior people, like senior buyers, man. They were coming up to me like, hey, so I hear you're that guy. What? Yeah, you're you're that guy. You're the guy that such and such said that, you know, you're 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 making this movie in Atlanta. He says he's making your movie with you. Uh well, yeah, we discussed it. I mean, <laughs> OK, like I, I, I didn't know it was a lock, but sure. Yeah, if he said that. Well, yeah. So, you know, I, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about that. I, I want to talk to you about your film. So what are you doing now? What do you have? Like it was that kind of thing. And it just happened over and over and over. And after two days. I was like, I embraced the title, that guy. Like I would I would have went and bought a shirt and, and a hat that said that guy. Like everybody was identifying me as that guy. It went to my head. I've never had that happen. It literally went to my head. I'm being honest with you guys. It went to my head. It was like being a celebrity. I've never been a celebrity. I've had some, a lot of success with different things. For example, I'm also a kid's author. And I had a lot of success with the book and book signings and all this other stuff. It was great, but I've never had that type of experience as a pseudo celebrity and especially in Hollywood or I should say in Los Angeles, right? It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was bizarre really is about the best way to say it. But it wasn't really just that. It was also the energy. It was the energy that was covering me and surrounding me at that time. So I want to give you an example. There's an area called... um Third and, Third and Promenade, I think is what it's called. And basically, it's an area where you see a lot of people perform. So these are like um, indie music artists or musicians, and they come out and they perform and they set up impromptu stages and, you know, they're acoustic guitarists and all this other stuff. And they have some really, just really talented people out there. So if you get a chance to go, it's Third and Promenade. It's free. It's free entertainment. They're playing on the sidewalks in front of these restaurants and the uh, boutique stores and stuff like that. So, We went, me and Jay went this one night. Again, it's my first time going. So I was, I mean, I was having a ball. I think this is like the end of day two. The overall experience was just great. I mean, I had so many people interested in what I was doing, whether it's from, you know, producing a new film to my current film that we're trying to sell and all this other stuff. And so um, we went out to this restaurant and then afterward we went and took in all of the performances on the street recall this one guy, he had a, it was really cool. I'd never seen this before. He had his iPhone hooked up to some kind of um, like a mixer, some kind of mixer and ran it into a uh, standalone uh, small amplifier, right? But he ran his acoustic guitar into the mixer as well. So he was and then he had a microphone. He like, I guess, maybe like a, like a, lav, a lavalier microphone or something attached to his shirt. So this guy is playing the guitar. He has <laughs> he has what sounds like a band behind him. Right. Which is nothing more than a music track that's being ran through this mixer through his little um his little amplifier. And I had never seen that. I was like, man, how clever is that? Right. And it sounded good. It sound, it really did sound good. And this guy had like this, I mean, like, I don't know. It was like a big crowd of people that had gathered around him. And the dude was playing his heart out. Man, I was having a blast, right? Now, it's, uh, I want to say maybe he was playing soca music. It was something like that. It was like, you know, really lively music or something. And so this older lady, I mean, she's probably, I'm, I'm guessing she's probably like in her 70s or something like that. I don't know. I'm thinking like she was Indian or something like that. She was standing beside me and she grabbed my hand and started dancing with me. Now, again, I'm on crutches, right? But I took a couple of steps out away from the crowd into like the open area, right? Where, you know, uh, people are encircling the guy. And I'm dancing with the lady. I'm giving her some twirls. And I mean, I was just having a good time, right? The next thing I know, you know, it's over and... Jay and I were about to leave and some guy comes up and taps me on my shoulder. This young guy. And uh, I look at him. I'm thinking like, OK, the dude looks like he might be homeless. I don't know. Just being honest with you. I'm like, ah, well, I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, I really don't have any money to give this guy. But you know what? God's blessed me. You know, it's been a good experience thus far. You know, why not help someone else out? So I'm going to reach in my pocket and my money's gone. I'm like, oh, snap. And so the guy's like, hey, man, you dropped this. And he hands me. Now, I had uh, what do you call this uh, money clip. That's what it's called. I had maybe, I don't know, maybe three, four hundred dollars in this thing. And he goes to hand it to me. He goes, here you go, man. You dropped this. I was like, oh, wow. And Jay, he <laughs> we both stood there with our mouths agape. Jay was like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, wow. I said, dude, you do realize he goes, no, no, no. He goes, no, man. He goes, this is not mine. It's yours. God's putting it on my heart to let you know, whatever you're doing, you're doing something right. I was like, wow, dude. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. He goes, no, man, it's like this aura coming off of you. This energy is like this glow. You know, he's like, I couldn't keep the money even if I wanted to. He said, I saw you drop it. And I just thought to myself, I better get the money and give it to this guy before someone else tries to take it. He goes, I just want to let you know that just being in your presence and being around you you're inspiring me. I was like, "Wow, I'd never had that experience. No one's ever said that to me." And to be honest with you, that would probably be a good summation of my experience there. Again, this is the first AFM. I'll give you another short story. Okay. I was sitting in the lobby. Um this is day hmm I think it's the next day, so like day 3. So I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm, I'm being honest with you. I was exhausted because I had met so many people like, I mean, I'm riding in the elevator and I'm giving elevated pitches just impromptu because people are asking me about my film. Right. And to be honest with you, it almost actually became kind of irritating. I know this sounds absolutely crazy because, yeah, I mean, you know, it felt almost as though people were trying to get something from me it just, I don't know. It just became, I'm not used to that. So it became kind of annoying if you will. So we were in the elevator um, and I got invited up to, I think maybe the third or fourth floor. I think there's five floors, I believe. Um, So I got invited up to maybe more, honestly, I don't know, but I got invited up to like the second or third floor, third floor. I was on my way down from the meeting and there was an Asian gentleman standing there And now here's the other thing, if you ever get an opportunity to go, a lot of the guys that you'll see from the Asian markets, number one, they really don't have time for us, meaning indie filmmakers. They're there to buy the big movies. These are the Warner Brothers and the Paramounts and, you know, Disney's and all. They're, They're there to buy those kinds of films. Not so much our stuff because we don't have the marketing dollars. We don't have the production dollars and they know it. So they're not there to buy our stuff. I'm just being honest with you. Okay. So just know that. That being said, I got into a conversation with this guy and he looks at me, he says, so tell me what you have. So I, you know, I gave my elevator pitch and honestly, it was kind of haphazard. It really wasn't my best pitch, but okay. So, <laughs> so we we go to get off the elevator and the guy's like, he stops. He says, he goes, say, yeah, okay, I'm interested. How much do you want? I said, what are you offering? He says, well, let's say $40,000. Now, Here's the thing. Understand, first off, I am a I don't want to say I'm a mathematician, but I'm really good at math. Okay. Here's how I operate, and I would encourage you to do the same. And if you take my class, you'll hear all this stuff. It's a very intensive, very intensive class, especially by the time you get to distribution and marketing. It's, I mean, by that point, you'll have full own knowledge and what to do and how to do it, and how to do your pitch and all this other good stuff. But that said. One of the things that I do is when I collect a business card, I always jot down information on the back of the card, which is going to jar my memory. But in the case of a market where you're selling something, I'm jotting down information that is paramount and key to the sale of the property, the sale of the film, right? So I had, at this point, this is day three, I had a collection of probably, mm, I'm going to guess and say maybe 30, 35, 40 cards. And these had amounts of $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 per market or per distributor or per sales agent, like that kind of thing, right? Uh, Jay and I had done a running tally the night before. So this is the end of day two, um, coming back from that event that I was telling you guys about. And so we had done a running tally and we tallied up, I'm going to say probably in excess of probably $3 million or so, um, just in sheer receipts from potential buyers, I was feeling pretty good. You know, again, I was that guy, so I was feeling pretty good. That was just a part of this insane, incredible story from my first visit. You want to stick around to hear who I met, what the outcome was, and the insanity that transpired next. Hey, guys and gals, I wanted to take a moment to first off, say thank you to each and every one of you who has taken the opportunity to download the podcast, to share it, to like it, to give it rankings, to give it reviews, to leave comments. And I mean, the love has been just absolutely phenomenal. So I wanted to do that because I believe it's so important to let people know that you appreciate them for their efforts. And I know it's nothing short of just my sheer will and wanting the best for you and to bring the best to you and your response to that. And I appreciate that. In the meantime, feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.dorante at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease. And
1: I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.